0: And I'm glad that, glad that you have such a pretty story. Welcome to Refreshingly Human with Hannah Pillow. Hi everyone, welcome to Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. Joining me today, I have Bola from London. Uh, she's born and brought up in London. And Bola has some great stories to share regarding race and stereotypes. Uh, so today we're just going to be having a chat about um, stereotypes and racism and how it affects us on a daily basis. And yeah, let's jump right in. Hi Bola. <laughs>
1: Hi. Hi, everyone.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us today. So we're going to jump straight into the topic because this is my first online interview and we're kind of on a bit of a time crunch here. Um, So we're going to jump straight into the topic of racism. And I think I'd want to start with what racism actually means to you, how you would define it. Um, Because I know it's something you're very, well, passionate about. When you talk about it, you get really passionate. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, For me, racism is complex and not complex at the same time Because it has changed over time So if we go with the dictionary definition And that's usually just the fear of another race So, prejudice, discrimination or antagonism Directed against someone of a different race Based on belief that one's own race is superior So if you go with that definition, it means anyone can be racist to anyone, which in all fairness is possible, but it's more complex than that because majority of the time, it is always white people who are racist towards anyone that's not white. And (laughs) it can be racism in so many different forms, education, the way the police treat people, um, looking for a job, looking for somewhere to live, just walking into Marks and Spencer, walking into Gucci, it is everywhere. And it's also subtle. Racism is subtle. And sometimes you do not realize or others do not realize they are being racist because they just see as, ah, that's the way it is. And and that's why I think it's complex mm-hmm. and it's not so easy to define because society has made it so complex
0: mm. Mm. I like that she brought up the the dictionary definition, because I actually had to look at that myself <laughs> before we jumped on here. And it's like, yeah, that, that is a very broad definition of racism. And I totally agree with you, because I was kind of thinking about, like, coming from South Africa, and what racism means in South Africa, and how it's affected, like, my family in the past, because, well, I know in, in the UK, a lot of people are not um, clued up about the apartheid history in South Africa which is a huge part of our history. And um, I know my family was very much, um, well, my grandparents were very much tied up in that era and things were really bad. And I was lucky enough to be in the generation that came out of it. So it didn't actually affect me that badly. And I never actually thought about race issues too much growing up. Um, But saying that, I feel like I should have, I should have been more aware of it i should have been more um more educated about different races because you kind of grow up in this bubble don't you you kind of grow up in this bubble where your race is the only race and and i think that's where racism kind of stems from because you kind of grow up thinking that your your way is the best way
1: to live but then at the same time for example my cousins who lived in nigeria before to before they came to the uk they knew yeah. of racism, but they've never experienced it. And then you come to the UK or you go to America or any other country, and that is when you realise that racism is real. And I don't really think it's a bubble per se. It's just that in a way you've kind of been lucky to escape that type of being where being brought up with mm-hmm. racism being around you of being told you're black and I'm white. But when you've grown up in a nation that's predominantly the same as you. That's one less thing you have to worry about as a child.
0: Well, you see, this is the thing where I say I think I should have been more educated about racism when I was younger, because saying that, um, I'm not saying that racism didn't affect me, but it did affect the people around me. And I should have been more aware of that growing up. And I can only now in retrospect, realize how much of racism was going on around me. And it kind of just slipped past me because I was not aware of it because like you said it's a very subtle thing and I think there's this kind of this education gap that we kind of like Mm. maybe in hindsight realize that oh wait a minute this was happening right right around right in front of my eyes and is still happening when you go back home but
1: I think that's it's hard to say that you should have been educated you should have been aware because when you're a child Racism should not be your concern. You should just be worried about: Have I done my homework? Mm. What boy's cute? What party am I going to? And (laughs) as you get older, that's when you start to realize it. But then, as a young person, especially under the age of, let's just say, eleven, you're not going to be really aware because you're in a society where it's not as obvious. But if you take America for example, a child at the age of five or six needs to know because it's a whole different ball game, So you need to kind of take into consideration what was around you. And at the same time, people don't like talking mm-hmm. about racism. They get so uncomfortable as soon as you bring mm-hmm. it up. They become defensive. They try to dismiss it. They get angry. And it's just like, do you know what? Let's just keep quiet.
0: Well, okay. I'm gonna bring up something, and this is kind of something I've been skirting around when I'm saying that I I wish I was more aware of it growing up. And it's gonna be very sensitive, <laughs> and probably something that might make you very angry. Um, <laughs> but in in South Africa, we have um we have maids, um and they're usually black women, and um, they paid shit. Um, they treated they treated shit. Um, I mean, they're not like well, they're not beaten or anything, but they treated as inferior, which is racism. And um, so, growing up, I had maids, and um, like they wouldn't eat with us at the table. And some in some houses, they would be given separate plates, like to use, which I thought was, I know it's it's pretty ridiculous because they because they black women, and that's what I'm saying. Wow. I think that this should start in your homes and what you are thought growing up, that everyone is equal should start at home. So if you have a black person working for you, they should be treated exactly the same, you know, like, but then I guess it's also not, it's a, goes into a whole caste, you know, they like, if it's your maid, it's a caste system, which is uh, going back to India, which is really another messed up system altogether. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I'm not angry cuz I know it's the fact every country has a certain race that does housework or their maids So for example, if you go to Dubai, it's Indians. It exactly. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so it changes everywhere. It just what it is. Right. Um When you come to the UK and you see people like doing housework, it's either Filipinos or the Eastern Bloc. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes, it is bad that they're treated so poorly and it's disgusting. But at the same time, and I'm not making excuses or trying to brush it under the carpet. When you are a child and that's all you see, Mm -hmm. that's all you know. And it's your parents and your older siblings and your aunts and uncles that should open your eyes. But when you are taught this is normal, especially from a young age, it's just kind of like, well, that's what you have seen. As you get older, then you should open your eyes. And if you choose not to open your eyes, then it's on you. That's the thing, though. I, that's what I was thinking about earlier. I was thinking that what actually needs
0: to be done here is people need to be comfortable with stepping outside of their boxes and their bubbles and what they were thought and seeing things. From a different perspective, because that's the only way you're going to open your eyes and realize what's actually going on around you, and you know, like right under your nose, and 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 try and like and try to change things. Is you can only change things if you're aware of it.
1: Exactly, and I think that's when it becomes important to surround yourself around people that are willing to make change, or even if they don't go outside protesting and screaming if they're changing themselves on one other person, that makes a difference. So for example, I have mm. a work colleague slash friend. Um, she's white and I have, I don't like the word woke, but she is really woke. She's like, I know I have white privilege. I know I have it mm. and I'm trying to do right. She had a son. She goes, don't worry. My son's going to know about his white privilege and how he needs to use it for good and not to be selfish. And yes, it's going to take years before the little kid grows up. But that's one person. And that makes a difference because that's where it starts, really.
0: I totally agree. Exactly. So I think, like, if our generation and the next generation can be woke to these issues, we can start seeing a, a change. But people have to be willing to wake up.
1: Yeah, yeah. But a lot of them don't because it doesn't affect them. So another person I know doesn't believe in mm. white privilege. And when you try to explain it, that it's not that you've grown up rich or the upper class or the elite, it's that you can do certain things in life with ease that I can't do. So a good example that we, most people wouldn't know is if a brown, a black and a white person go to the airport, the brown person gets stopped for terrorism, the black person gets stopped for drugs and the white person can walk off because they don't do anything wrong. That is privilege. But for them, they don't see it as that. They just see it as, well, you know, it is usually brown and black people that do these things when that's complete bullshit. But then they're not a bad person. They just, they just can't open their eyes. Another thing that really <laughs> grinds my gears is when people say, I don't see colour. And I just feel like, really? You're part of the problem. Because society has made it about colour, so you need to open your eyes and see it.
0: I mean, that's what really gets to me, is what do people mean when they say they don't see colour? Do they mean that we are all white people? Do they mean that we are all the same race? Because to me, colour is a fact. We all are different colours, and that's not not the issue. The issue is not that we're different colours, it's how we're treating each other that's the
1: issue. So why would you say that? Exactly, and I always it's like I always give like an example. I say to someone, if me and you walk into a room, the first people are going to notice is you're white and I'm black. They're not going to notice if you're gay. They're not going to notice if you can't speak. They're not going to notice if you're deaf. The first thing they're going to notice is race. So to say I don't see colour, it's a cop-out. That's the only way to explain it. But yeah... <laughs>
0: Exactly. I just, I I, I don't see colour. I mean, it's like, I don't know, like, okay, I don't see, I don't see shapes. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because when people say they don't see colour, I'm like, okay, so tell that to the people when I visit Asian countries like China, Indonesia, um, not Bali, Indonesia, Philippines, Cambodia and Lao, and they're trying to touch me because I look different. They're trying to take pictures of me. So yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so to say, I don't see colour. Come on. We all see it. We all see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you do with it that matters. <laughs> so yeah, and like Akron, I can't remember the exact time I or the exact day I noticed race, but I noticed it gradually from a young age, from primary school, to just little things. So as a child growing up, my parents taught me white people are dirty. They don't bathe every day. They don't cook their food properly and they don't season. And as a kid, you're going to believe your parents because we all idolize our parents when we're young. (laughs) I'm just going to throw this in
0: that we were thought the exact same thing about white people and black people because apparently growing up Indian people were like the best people in the world. (laughs) So
1: we were thought the exact same stuff. And then as a little kid because your parents have planted that little seed in your mind you start to notice it as well you like oh you haven't washed have you today and then you go to someone's house and you're like Where's the pepper? Where's the seasoning? Where's the magic? Where's the thyme? You're like, where's all the flavor in the food? For Indians, it's like, where's the chilies? (laughs) Exactly. You're just like, where's, where's the flavor in the food? And because your parents plant that seed in your head, you start to believe it because then you actively see it all the time. You don't see beyond it. You don't see the kindness that people have. You don't see that they can be great people. You just see what your parents tell you. So it wasn't until I got to secondary school that I started to notice, you know what, maybe some people don't watch every day, but people do watch every day and some people can cook. It's not that bad. And that's because I was fortunate enough to go to a very diverse secondary school. So that helped me to open my eyes. And like going back a bit, you also have the issue that when you're growing up, you tend to stay with people from your culture. your parents generally don't mix you so I'm first generation born British my parents came from Nigeria came to the UK and at the time when all the Nigerians were flocking to the UK they all knew each other so they went to parties together they knew all the gossip about Nigerians together they knew everything so everything you did was always around Nigerians you didn't really get to mix with other kids until you got to school but then your parents would say to you Oh, if they give you food, don't eat it. Oh, um, she's having a barbecue, can I go? No, they don't cook their food properly. So you don't get a chance to mingle with them when you're young. It's not until you're older and you do get the opportunity to do it that you see that everything your parents have taught you is not true or necessarily true.
0: Yeah, Bola, this is exactly what how I grew up like you you are explaining my childhood right here and for me I wasn't even lucky to go to a mixed school because I was in an Indian school right till I graduated <laughs> and then I was studying and then I was studying from home because I went to a correspondence university because my mom didn't want to send me to university so I was sheltered as hell <laughs> like so I only really opened my eyes and well this was actually in In the university I went to, when I was doing my honours, my final year, uh, I had to go for like study groups. And that's when I started meeting people and I made really, really good friends with this black girl who was um, studying with me. And she and I had this exact same conversation at one point where we were telling each other what we thought black people, were, what I thought black people were like and what she thought Indian people were like. And it was the exact same stereotypes. (laughs) <laughs> of each other. <laughs> and she was like, Yeah, if I have to invite you to one want- to my birthday party, my black friends will tell me they knows up at you. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's probably what would happen if I had to invite you to my house, unfortunately. <laughs> so we kind of were like hanging out together all the time, but we never mixed with each other's friends. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like my first like eye opening experience. And then after that when I when I went to Turkey, of course I mixed with a lot of people there.
1: Yeah, I agree. But see, that proves our point that our parents don't always help us. And I do hope it changes with our generation. So I have a cousin. She's a couple of years younger than me. And she does not have a single white, Asian, anything friend. All her friends are black. And I said to her, You need to get some diversity in your friendships. Like, there's some nice people out there that are not black. But then she explained mm-hmm. to me what happened to her in school. And I was like, do you know what? I don't blame you. That is fair. You can <laughs> you can hate them c- because you had a really horrible experience. And yes, it's not good to generalize, but when you've been scarred for, and bullied for so long, you end up resenting everything associated with it. And I don't blame her. I was just very fortunate. I did meet some racist kids in school. It happens. But... As I've gotten older, as I have started working, I've started to realise there's some really, really nice people from all walks of life and that like you kind of sheltered life where you mix only with your culture because that's what your parents make you do. You start to realise, I've missed out on a lot of things in life because like, as you know, sorry, like, as you know, I've travelled for a year and that's unheard of for a normal Nigerian child to do. It's just it's wrong because at my age, I should be married with about 10,000 kids with a house. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. more than way behind. So I don't fit into that mold of the typical Nigerian child. And then is it because I've been influenced by different races to think it's acceptable? Because I guarantee you, if I was brought up in Nigeria, number one, we wouldn't have met. And number two, there's no way I would have traveled around the world. It wouldn't have happened because I would have to fit that stereotype of, okay, I finished school. I need to get my husband and get my kids. Now nah, there's more to life. So I think our parents, in a way, kind of failed us in that aspect by not exposing us to different cultures and early age to realize there's more to life than just what they tell us.
0: Yeah, but I think that's also because they probably don't realize that because for them that mm-hmm. is... All life is. Yeah, because I mean, I I was brought up exactly the same and I've I've left the mold, but a lot of my cousins are still stuck in that mold. And I mean, the thing is, it works for some people, but some of us, it just it just doesn't stick. Um, Yeah, yeah. and I think I think that's kind of a different a different issue as well. I mean, they are I mean, I I get where you're coming from, where it, it plays into how how we think about the world and how we see the world definitely to to break out of your molds kinds of opens your eyes in a lot of ways but i kind of hope that there's a way to for people who are always in that mold to also open their eyes because you know the different lifestyles work for different people and i don't i don't always think you have to drastically take get away from your culture to open your eyes <laughs> I think they they should be another way as well.
1: Yeah, so like just taking the best of whatever's good. So pick what works Mm. for you. Be a mix. Mm. There's no harm in that because even though this is kind of going off the topic of race, um, I was was taught when I was younger that if I spend my life making sure everyone else is happy, I will never be happy. If I spend Mm. half my time making sure everyone is happy, I'm not really going to be happy But if I make sure I'm happy, obviously, without being selfish or spiteful, then people who care will also be happy. And I live by that. And you know what? My life has been so much better. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree with you. And we'll get to that
0: topic on another (laughs) podcast because there's a lot to be said on that. But let's go back. Let's bring it back to race right now. So um, I want want to talk a bit about uh, things that people have said to you or assumed about you. Uh, maybe some of the weirdest things you've heard. I I know the hair touching, if you want to talk about that.
1: Oh, yes. Um, It's happened recently in the last couple of years, once at work and once in Ireland. So I get my hair changed every month. I might have braids, I might have a short weave, a long weave, curly weave. And one day someone comes up and goes, oh, your hair's so nice, and then proceeds to stroke my hair. And I kind of snapped my neck back thinking, are you okay? And they got upset with me for being upset with them for trying to touch my hair in my personal space. Mm. Not even my closest friends touch my hair unless there's something (laughs) in it or it's tangled. They don't touch. So why do, and I'm sorry to say it, it's Um, usually white people or Asians that try to touch my hair. (laughs) That's where it comes from. Not everyone because i've got a friend that we was in ireland together we're standing at the traffic lights and i had kinky choice and this woman touched my and said oh beautiful and my friend who is white she literally whipped her neck around i'm surprised she didn't get whiplash and started screaming and shouting at this woman saying who the f do you think you are you shouldn't be touching people's hair and I'm like, to so my friend, you know Calm down. It's no big deal. It happens. A lot. She goes, no, it should not be happening. That is wrong. She, I think <laughs> if she could, I think she would have battered the woman there and then. Mm. And she was upset for days because for her, she just couldn't apprehend why someone would want to touch my hair. She, she just couldn't get it.
0: I mean, touching hair is such an intimate thing. I mean, like you say even your friends don't do it, but for me with with my friends, that's one of the things we do. It's it, it's very it's a very intimate thing. It's like we we'll lie next to each other and we'll just stroke each other's hair, like very intimately. But it is it's 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 something you only do with people that you know and you're intimate with, you know? I mean the other day we were at the arcade with one of my friends and we were braiding his hair while he was playing games. <laughs> But you only But then you like your friends. So it's okay. <laughs> it's your friends. You're not I'm not gonna go to the random guy sitting next to him and start touching his hair. That would be completely weird. So I mean I mean just I'm just trying to put this in perspective for anyone out there who's thinking, why is it weird to touch somebody's hair? It is
1: weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's rude. <laughs> and in terms of questions, Saga so where are you from? My response, South London. Yeah, but where are you really from? But where? But where? And, you know, you just look at something, you're thinking, if I punch them, would I lose my job? Or should I just be rude? So
0: <laughs> so I'm going to quote um, dear white people here, because I, 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 love, I love this line. When I heard this line, I was like, preach, sister. I hear you. <laughs> and, and she says, if you go up to somebody who's ethnically different, so I, I, like I'm just quoting, paraphrasing here. If you go up to somebody who's ethnically different and ask them, what are they? The answer is probably going to be somebody who's going to punch the shit out of you. Yes. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I, You know, I think this is something since I left South Africa, this is something I've been getting a lot because nobody – is to ask in south africa because it's such a rainbow culture there's so many people there nobody was going to ask you where you're from but when i left south africa from turkey and the uk it's like so where are you from south africa no but where are you really from south africa so your parents south africa <laughs> <Your grandparents? laughs> south africa Oh my great-grandparents are from India. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like can I not be South African anymore? <laughs> it's like I have to be they have to know what shade of brown you are exactly. Like I mean that and that's such a that's such an antiquated way of thinking because in today's day and age It's long past the time where people migrated from their original countries and started living in other countries. We ask, I'm third of what generation South African? It's so
1: long past that time and people are still asking this question. It's like, when are you going to stop? I just don't get it. Sometimes I do respond in such a sarcastic or nasty way. Um, Example, oh, where are you from? My mother's womb. (laughs) oh no but you know, where are you really from well my dad's sperm entered my mom's vagina and then they just stop <laughs> do, like cross the line I, I get you though I, I did that
0: to one of my friends because he was like when I, I posted something on Facebook with the same question where someone was doing like a whole bit about the same exact question where are you really from and this guy just was m- mocking me and he's like so where are you really from I'm like from my mother's womb And he's like, and I'm like, you know, when a mommy and daddy (laughs) do their internet, intimate business. (laughs) And then they stop. And and, and, and then I go one step further, you know, when a brown mommy and a brown daddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? If you actually say to someone back, where are you from? They'll say, oh, England. I say, no, where are you really from? Where's your great-grandmother from? And they don't. And it's just like, if you can ask me, I can ask you. To me, that's fair. Yeah,
0: that that is it. And I think for me, when I came to the UK, the most popular thing I've, I always get is brown equals Pakistani. Oh, for crying that loud. That's it. Brown equals Pakistani. And if they've just seen me and not seen my husband, my husband must be Pakistani as well. I have to be Muslim according to their stereotypes. I'm Muslim, I'm brown, I'm Pakistani. And it's like, okay then, uh, how many boxes of yours do I need to break open right now?
1: But then... Do
0: And, 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 and then I, I'm like, do I need a t-shirt that says, I'm not Pakistani, my husband's not Pakistani, I'm not Muslim, I'm from South Africa, my great-grandmother comes from India. It's like, should I wear this on a t-shirt
1: everywhere I go? You're know Maybe you have to, but then... I kind of feel like because I think the polite way to say a lot of us, especially in the UK, know our heritage. We know where our great, 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 great grandparents have come from. We know where they are. And because we've experienced so much subtle racism, we're not as ignorant as others. So for example... When I first met you, to be honest, I don't really give a flying F where you were from. I just wanted to make sure you were like me and that you were fun to speak to because... I did realize that. because The moment you realized I was like you, you were like, damn girl, (laughs) I'm
0: going to hit you up every day.
1: I don't care because yes, it's part of your race, it's part of your culture, but what matters to me... It's what's on the inside. So if you was a nasty ass person, I wouldn't talk to you. Your race has nothing to do with it. Nothing. And I think hmm. the way we've been treated has taught us not to be like that.
0: I, I totally agree with you. I mean for me I can't really say so much the way I've been treated because um I've been pretty lucky. I mean I just I do get these stereotypes and but to be honest, they really mild compared to a lot what other people have been through. If you're talking about race. Um, but I think for me, it's what I've seen other people go through um, that has opened my eyes a lot to these issues as well. And just makes me want to
1: want to give people a voice to, to tell their story. Yeah, because I feel sorry for black kids, especially black boys. My heart goes out to them because they have it so hard. I'll give you some examples. So say a black boy with a hoodie walks into Tesco's and a white boy with a hoodie walks into Tesco's, who's more likely to be followed? The black boy. If the police need to stop a black kid or a white kid, they see a 12-year-old black kid, he looks about 100 years old. He looks like a gangster. You see a 12-year-old white kid, he looks about eight. So he's innocent, let's be nicer to him. And it's all those little things that people don't realize make a difference. And it shapes the animosity that people have in society. Mm. And then people always say, oh, it's not about race. It's not about race. Mm. Yes, it is. Because when those seeds have been planted subconsciously, they are always there. Always.
0: Mm. I mean, that that is true. <sighs> that is true. I, I mean, there are these deep-seated things that are that are planted in people and it, it is really sad I, I totally get where you're coming from um yeah i guess we should get a, a black a black man to tell us his
1: story at right. some point because um my little godson he's four and i love him to pieces and his school is already trying to label him saying that he may have adhd he's too emotional too expressive and i'm like are you serious Like, are you really serious? Number one, I do not think he has ADHD because if he gets all hyper and I say to him, come on, calm down, he does it. And simple, full stop. And the fact that he wants to express his emotions is a good thing because mental health and black people do not go well together because society Mm -hmm. just doesn't give them enough respect Mm. or the help they need. So the fact that he's learning to express his feelings should not be stamped on because hmm. growing up black men just didn't express their emotions they kept it bottled in
0: that's really interesting um i actually i've been reading this book um and i was actually going to mention it to you as well because i'm not sure if you've heard of it or if you've read it but what you just mentioned now about your godson um is mentioned in this book as well and about how a black child um, in his school is being accused of ADHD and I wonder if that's something that's fairly common
1: I think it is I honestly do because fair enough your kids in all fairness at that age are generally the same at school as they are at home they haven't yet learnt has him manipulate teachers and their parents. Uh-huh. When they get to secondary school, they definitely have, because I was one of those kids. Uh-huh. But at that age, when I had them, not, he's not misbehaving. He doesn't scream, run around. He's really well behaved. He does what typical four-year-olds do. If he sees something, he might run to it because he wants to see it or touch it. But what four-year-old doesn't want to? So then why label him? You're labelling the child before he's had a chance. Mm to start in life how is that fair and this is why and then oh the one thing that gets on my nerves is the phrase the angry black woman i hate that phrase with passion
0: why? Not? That's a step up from the angry woman, isn't it? Because that's, that's one, one again, a, a derogatory term on its own is the angry woman. And then
1: they just the upgrade that would be the black angry woman. Like, why can't we say what we want? Why can't we express without being called angry? So if I say something, I'm aggressive, I'm bullshit. Mm. But if someone that's not me, a white person says it, they're bold, they're standing up for what's right. Why is it different? They're making a good point. Exactly. Why is it different? I don't get Mm. it. We're saying the same Mm. thing. Is it because, (laughs) and maybe it's down to culture and race. When I was growing up, I was taught. You defend yourself and you say what you have to say. Don't sit there and be quiet. And is it because a lot of people are not used to it? So when I was little, I got hit by a kid. I went to my godfather. I got hit. I'm a golf, I was like, why are you telling me? Go back and hit the kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I was raised. Do not come and Christ me. Defend yourself. If someone makes you upset, you say something. If you don't like something, you say something. That's what you've been trying to teach me since I met you. <laughs> You're like, woman, speak up for yourself.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll think about it.
1: <laughs> Even though it's like a small example, but recently... I had a booking at a hotel I did it through booking.com. I got a 10% discount. I was like, nah, I'm not happy with this. So I messaged booking.com saying, I'm not happy with my discount. Can you give me a better one? They gave me an extra 10% off. Wow. Um my manager for example, if she says something to me I'll be like, I don't like what you just said. It makes no sense. Can you say it again? I'm just going to say it. I remember once the head of the department came into a meeting with me in his cycling shorts, and I said to him, "Can you go and change, please? <laughs> I don't want to see you like that." And he did. But if you don't say it, no one's gonna know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, good on you for saying it. <laughs> Definitely
1: good on you for saying it. And then the comment it. was, "Yeah." <laughs> And the comment I got was, only you can say that. You're the only one can get away with it. Mm. I'm like, no, it's because you need to learn to speak up. Mm. If you do not like something, if you (laughs) want change, you need to open your mouth. Otherwise, don't complain. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's cultural or maybe because I'm an only child. So you kind of just say what you want as a kid and you get it. So you you get confident from it. I don't know, but I've always Mm. been taught answer back. Say what you have to say. Do not be quiet. So I think when you get into the workplace, people don't like it because they're used to getting answers with rainbows, flowers, and ribbons.
0: And sign, I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I think that is a cultural thing because I, I wasn't I wasn't raised that way. Um I was raised quite quite the opposite of that, really. Uh, to be very subservient. Uh, don't talk back. Uh, brush everything under the carpet, uh, put on an act, put on a face. Um, I, I mean, I can give you a very good example of this. is <laughs> a really small thing, <laughs> which I, I don't why. I know why I always remember this, but um, I have an aunt who's my age. And when we were little, um, our dad, my dad went overseas and he bought us two dolls. And um, one was the original white Barbie. And the other one was, uh, I think it was a brown Barbie or something. Oh. And I wanted the brown Barbie because it was different. And I was tired of seeing the white Barbie. <laughs> and my dad brought the white, the brown one for me and the white one for her because they always bring different things. But my aunt cried so much that she wanted mine and I had to give it to her because she was crying Oh my! And yeah, so that's what we were thought. We were thought to just, just make the other person happy whether they're right or wrong just give in just cave in just be the better person in quotation marks
1: <laughs> the thing is though i was taught that as well but only to my aunts and uncles and i think it's the same for you even if they're not related they are aunt and uncle
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone
1: everyone's your uncle <laughs> yeah so with them, i had to always keep quiet but at school, I was encouraged by my parents to always speak up. Yeah, bear in mind if I was in the wrong, yeah. and I tried to speak up, I guarantee you I would have got beaten. So I had to pick my battles carefully.
0: Yeah, now see, it, it was still the same with us because for us, it was all about the image you portray on your family. So it's like you gotta portray the image your family wants you to. So you're not allowed to even. Do that with other people, whether they're right or wrong, you need to be the better person. The yes man.
1: Nah, <laughs> see? Nah, nah. Because <clears> that when I speak to my dad as well, like we're speaking, was it yesterday the day before? And he raised his voice at me. And I was like, Dad, you are raising your voice. There is no need. And he kind of stopped for a second. he's just like, Did she just answer back? <laughs> And then he just lowered his voice. And, and he said, I'm not shouting. I'm not shouting. yes, you were. Lower your voice. And then he did. Uh, and wait, I, I, just want, I just want
0: to insert your Your dad said you, you're talking back to me. And how old are you? 31? You <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. This is our culture. Like, he was asking me questions. And like, every second word, he was like, but did you do this? I'm like, dad, let me finish my sentence. He goes, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then i finished my sentence and he had no questions. But he was so impatient and parents, they it's out of love. They're so overbearing and want to talk so much that they forget to listen. So you have to tell them you need to listen. <laughs> and that goes back to what I said at the beginning. So another thing that I was taught by my parents when I was little is, White kids are rude to their parents. They answer back, they hit them, they call them by their first names.
0: Oh, wait, wait. And the famous one I was taught is the white kids put their parents in, in old age homes. Yeah, oh my God,
1: I was taught the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, they don't love their parents the way we you, we love our parents and they'll just put their parents in old age homes when they're old and
1: like, okay then. That's calm down. <laughs> that's exactly what I was taught and I was also taught as well that the reason why a lot of white parents when they get older that they like say the mother dies the father dies a few months later I was taught because they don't understand family and community if my wife dies tomorrow I will still live for 10 years because I have (laughs) friends and I have a community I'm like whoa whoa okay where did that come from (laughs) and that's what I was taught yeah and then the annoying thing is though you start to see it yeah you start to see what they're talking about and you're like Oh, okay, okay. Maybe you've got a point, but it's not really true.
0: Yeah, but that stop. Yeah, I think that stops you from actually seeing the other side because it's kind of what you focused on because it's what you've been brainwashed conditioned to talk to think. So it kind of stops you from seeing the other side. So it's only when, like, that's why I keep saying when you awaken yep. to reality that you can actually see both sides of it and be like. Okay. So the exact same thing can happen in my community. We can put parents in old age home. It does happen in my community. It's not that it doesn't. And it's the same, you know, it's um the similar things are happening in every community. We just have to be aware of what's happening and uh zone out of what
1: we were conditioned to think. Exactly. So I've already told my dad, when you're old, I'm just gonna send you back to Nigeria and get you house help and that's it. I'm just going to send you back (laughs) And the thing is though He would rather I send him to Nigeria Than put him in the old people's home Hmm. Because at least in Nigeria He's got extended family He's got good weather And in all fairness He probably would be treated a lot better Than people are treated in old people's home Yeah That's the sad thing about it so like, I've got a lot of fun that I've been saving up because my dad's, God, how old is my dad? I think it's like, it's going to be 56 or 57 this year. And I've actually got a lot of fun because he's getting close to that age where he's getting, like, he's getting on in time. So when he gets old, I've got the money so I can say, dad, you can go to Nigeria. I'll pay for your ticket and I'll send you a monthly allowance as well. Ooh.
0: Yeah, you, you are the only child. So I guess you, you've got that responsibility, don't you?
1: yeah but as you can tell race is so complex you can't just pull it into one category it's it's impossible
0: yeah absolutely um yeah I mean that's the thing like that's with me it's like I think I don't even realize if or when someone's actually being racist um because I feel I feel like there's a spine line as well because I I get a lot of things thrown at me because um well, I, I'm I married into a white family, um, and you get uh, exposed to a lot of um, a lot of things, a lot of questions, a lot of statements. I don't I don't want to go too much into it, um, but yeah, I, I don't actually recognize when someone's being racist or when they are being genuinely con- like genuinely interested, or you know, it's it's like such a fine line. And I think for me, the biggest thing is ignorance. Ignorance is really big. Um, with cultures outside of your own I I find in the UK ignorance is is huge
1: (laughs) yeah it is huge but then at the same time when you do give them or give people the opportunity to not be ignorant and educate them they don't want to know so that has now become a Mm. choice and a lot of the time it's probably through choice that they're that ignorant Mm,
0: I, I think yeah I think for me when I've experienced something like that the way I see it is that, well, this is a thing, like, I think I've got to see that people live in in different bubbles, you know, like coming from South Africa, I see the bubble my family is living in. And then coming to the UK, I see the bubble here that people are living in. And I think that when something challenges their precious little box of a world they kind of like retreat back to the box, close all the windows and the doors and sit there until it's safe to come out. (laughs) And, you know, so it's like, don't, don't, like, you know, like, for example, I know someone who has this uh, Hakuna Matata, everyone loves everyone, everyone's, this is a big happy world kind of a thing. And the moment I would challenge that thought, they'd kind of like retreat and like just not, want to accept it and just try to find a loophole in what I'm saying like oh but this oh but that oh but that you know like they'll just find some excuse for something that's just a whole lot of load of bullshit and and be like okay why can't you just call a kettle a kettle it's because you're scared to acknowledge something outside of your thought box or outside of your
1: bubble Exactly. so you can't
0: yeah and so that's that's why I kind of realized the extent of how much I can talk to people and how much I can tell them at the same time, I wish I could challenge them. I wish I could edge them out of the box, but that's not my place. I guess it's not my, it's not my job. It's, I think that challenge comes from in, in, every in, every individual themselves have to, has to be willing to step outside.
1: So with that, would you say when you have a person saying, oh, I want to know more about X, Y, and Z, but I'm not included, do you think it's because they've been lazy or because they're not actually making an effort to be included, if that makes sense? What what do you mean? So let's give an example. Say there's a safe space for people of color in a workplace right. just to talk, air their grievances, just to find ways of coping, so coping mechanisms. And then you have a non-person of colour say, but why wasn't I included? I want to learn. So but that's not a learning space, is it? Exactly. So then is it that they're using the opportunity that there's a space because they always have to be included? Or they're too lazy just to go and speak to someone and just say, I would like to know more about your culture?
0: I think that for me, when, when I'm hearing this, I'm thinking white privilege. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you have to be accepted into everything. And when you're not, it's kind of like, Whoa, why am I not included all of a sudden? It's kind of like, okay, um, but you included in every other freaking thing in the, in the world. Can we not just have this one thing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But then do you think people are afraid of a society or a world where black people are now superior? brown people are now superior
0: that's a tough question I, I know I mean, it's, I,
1: it's kind of happening already in some places yeah,
0: South Africa. You know, the whole,
1: the whole yeah. world is scared because it's like it's that common are coming back for us for what we've done and what our ancestors have done so that's think, why they keep people down
0: yeah I mean I think that's a question to put out there I'm not gonna try to answer that <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's a question to put out there um it's It's an uncomfortable question to ask, definitely. um and I think that it would be it would make very a lot of people uncomfortable to hear or to or to ask this question. What would you say the solution would be?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I don't think there can be a solution because if people are not discriminated because of race, because of gender, because of something. We're always gonna find a way to discriminate. We just can't help it. It is our nature because we want to be better than somebody else. So I don't think there is a solution. Because once you eliminate racism, something else will crop up. Think about it, even within like the African community, the Asian community, there's colorism already. That that light that the lighter you are, the better looking you are, which in all honesty is poor crap. <laughs> So there's always going to be an
0: issue. Uh, yeah, that that's it. going back to the caste system in India, that people fight amongst themselves. But that's the thing. I think, I think the issue is just human kindness. That seems to be something very, very hard to achieve for some reason. And we all have it, though. We all have it in us to be kind. We all have it in us to, to treat each other with love and respect but as a world as a as as a earth as a community as a global community it seems like the hardest thing for people to get right is just to be kind
1: okay then but then with kindness there are oh sorry there are um, little kids that are naturally kind and then society turns them into little shits
0: yeah but that's what I'm saying. It's it's such a hard thing to get right. It's it's such a hard thing to to culture and to and to get right, but I I really think that the tiny steps start at home. Like you say, at home with us and with people just awakening and realizing how important it is to just be kind. And it's not like it's not like be kind to um Like how I was raised is like, be kind to your uncle, be kind to your aunt, be kind <laughs> be kind to other brown people and and it kind of stops somewhere that kindness kind of stops at some limiting factor it's not like yes, that, it 's you know? not like that you know it 's not like that it 's like teach your kids to be kind to everyone, you know not i mean if you don 't have kids, if you 're not a parent, like just spread that love and spread that attitude to everyone that you need to be kind. To everyone and there's no limiting factors there um you know kindness is rare uh kindness is free kindness is free (laughs) and kind of just saying hello kind of should be easy um i mean i'm saying this and i know there's times i can be unkind because we are human
1: (laughs) (laughs) but then that's still a good thing because you've accepted that you you have that characteristic that we all have is when people don't acknowledge it Mm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: it's when it becomes an issue yeah
0: and be and the thing is like it's just like with anything be accountable for your unkindness own it
1: (laughs) be accountable Mm because there's times when i have not been kind in the slightest bit (laughs) and at the time i'm like yes they deserve it it's what they needed and then as you get older you reflect you're like i could have handled that a lot better right
0: right i i know i get you um I mean yeah I I I know I've been I've been really mean to some people and you know maybe some of them are listening to this podcast I'm sorry um oh, no really I am sorry <laughs> at the time it seemed right <laughs> but when 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 you all go off and do your own thing and yeah maybe you can't be friends with this person but you can still tolerate them and be kind to them in their presence and um you kind of realise that in, re- in retrospect.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do. Damn. Life can be difficult sometimes. And I do feel sorry for little kids now because growing up in a world where we have a president that is just, <laughs> I'll leave it there. And then we have a prime minister who is questionable is life now going to be harder for those kids yeah. growing up with that as, not as role models, no, as role models because they're making it accessible that certain behaviors are okay when we should be eliminating it. So it's like we're going Absolutely. backwards instead of forwards.
0: Yeah.
1: Like for example, I love going to America but I'm like, mm. I need to be careful now because yes, there's always been violence. It's always been there. But now there's a new layer of that violence. Mm.
0: And I guess being black
1: in America is is dangerous. It is. Mm. So unless they hear my accent first. Mm. I'm not safe because generally they leave British people alone. <laughs> They're like, oh, do you have tea with the queen? Do you drink tea and crumpets? So they leave you alone, but if they don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Then you're kind of treated with apprehension and like, hmm, what is this person like? Mm-hmm. Should I trust them? Should I follow them around the shop? Should I make them pay for their meal mm-hmm. before they have it when they wouldn't do it to somebody else? Yeah. Can I say racist things directly to them and know I'll get away with it? Like in America, you hear about all the things that black people are arrested for walking, mm-hmm. arresting for napping, arresting for eating, arresting for going to the pool, arresting for going home, arrested, killed in the home.
0: All these videos go viral on, on Facebook of all these... People calling the police on black people like all the time for like all these really silly things
1: Ugh, it's ridiculous it is because there's one thing after another, this one thing, and I'm glad social media does hold them accountable because a lot of these people end up losing their jobs anyway, but then it's not really working because people are still doing it they're still saying they're still doing it
0: yeah, there's a new. Video every day. Huh, no. So, I guess we can come to any final thoughts?
1: Be you. If someone doesn't like you for your blackness, your brownness, or whatever, do you know what? They can, I'm not going to swear, they can naff off. Be you. <laughs> because that is how they eradicate a part of your culture, a part of your race. Do not let anyone take that away from you own that shit
0: oh well, once again bola thank you so much for joining us um it definitely has been a very interesting conversation to have out loud and i just want to remind the listeners that whatever we discuss today are the opinions of two people and uh it really has to do with our own culture our own upbringings and uh, we all have things that we have learned and had to unlearn along the way, and this is just our story today. Um, On the topic of I see colour, I think I'd just like to say one final thing before I leave. I would like to say that I do see colour, you know, I see black, I see white, I see brown, I see pink, I see blue, I see purple, I see red, I love red, (laughs) but at the end of the day, I don't think it's the fact that I, whether I can see color or not that's the difference or that's the point. I think that what's important is what I do with this gift of being able to see color and what I choose to do with this gift of seeing color is to not let it define what I see, to not let it become a learned behavior, you know, to unlearn everything that I have that I think I know all the stereotypes that I think belong to each different group to unlearn them to just look at people and be like who are you what's your story some of the best friends that I have I think all of the best friends that I have we became best friends not by asking each other where are you from where's your mother from where's your grandfather from what kind of food do you cook um no these these are not the questions we asked um we became best friends by just getting to know each other by getting to know who we were as people you know um getting to know our uh, insecurities getting to know our hopes getting to know our dreams um seeing beyond all these things that people deem of what's important about a person and when you think that putting people in boxes is what's going to actually get you to know who they are that's when you're really really limiting your world view and that's when you think that oh this person's surprising me all of a sudden because they fall outside of a box it's not really surprising that people don't put into your boxes what's surprising is that we expect them to thanks for listening to this episode of refreshingly human with myself hannah pillow you can find a link to our website in the show notes where you can like share and subscribe so you don't miss out to upcoming episodes until next time be kind to yourself We are all human after all.